Hello, welcome to another Pharmacy Practice podcast. Uh, Scottish theme tonight, we've got a um, very talented uh, award-winning, multi-award winning or just award winning, we'll find out in a second, uh, community pharmacist, uh, originally from Ayr, now, now living in Glasgow. Um, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yes, hello, um, my name is uh, Sam Faulkner. I'm a um, pharmacist um, working in Co-Winning in Ayrshire, a community pharmacist, um, and uh, we're currently on, um, doing the common clinical conditions um, with it within the pharmacy, um, and we also have access to EMIS. Fantastic. Um, all of these things are very exciting to me, <laughs> and I know probably to, to many others. Um, the I noticed a a photo of one of your posters online where where you were you were talking about uh, your access to EMIS and stuff like that. We'll come to that maybe later on, but there's so much I want to ask you about. Um, okay. To get to that stage, I, I I've got a fair idea how how much work has been involved. So, you know, congratulations before we even start. To be quite honest, <laughs> yeah. Um, so so what? Tell us about where what your career has been so far, Sam, just to set the scene a bit, and then we'll, we'll dig into your, what your pharmacy's like and, and all the rest of it. So, so whereabouts did you go to uni and how long are you qualified and stuff like that? Sure. So, um, I went to Robert Gordon university and um, qualified in 2012 and um, did my pre-reg year and uh, qualified as a pharmacist in 2013. So that makes me six years qualified. Um, I, I worked in a pharmacy in air from when I was um, 16 years old, um, and that's the company that I still work with. Um, originally started in Alloway Pharmacy um, and did my pre-reg in Townhead Pharmacy in Co-Winning, um, which was all part of the same chain. Um, I worked as a locum mainly between the, the three pharmacies within the chain for for two years before taking on the manager's role in uh, Townhead, which is where I have been ever since. Very good. I think that's one of the toughest jobs out there, being a being a community pharmacy manager. Actually, do you agree? Uh, it's certainly not got uh, any easier over the last few years as prescription numbers are going up, and um, uh, I think pharmacist numbers and community are going down, and um, uh, more, more and more pressure, more and more services. Um, and I think particularly within the multiples, it's it's got a lot trickier over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of pressure and um, at the coalface. I know, I know, I know all about it. Um, are you? And what about what about the employment market? Um, are you finding it easy to get locums? And are the locum rates still reasonable with you? Or or what's what's happening in that space? Um, we're in a fortunate position where um, we have um, double cover most days within the pharmacy, um, so mm. we don't need. Um, many locums in we, we largely cover each other's holidays um, but what we find is that when we do need to, to employ a locum it's trickier to get a locum during the week um, whereas it's easier to get a locum at the weekend because a lot of the, the pharmacists who've moved into primary care quite like a shift at the weekend um, but there aren't many locums that are free during the week now. That's interesting so that's that's an emerging trend where there, there's been the rush to GP practice or primary care and but they still like to keep very wisely probably keep their hand in at the weekend. Yeah. Interesting. Certainly yeah. I changed how it used to be years ago when it was hard to get a locum at the weekend but easier to get one during the week. 
Very good. And what's what's <clears throat> what's Sonny Killwilling kill, kill winning like? Sorry. Um, it, it's quite a, a mixed town. There's there's areas of deprivation um, where we are situated is in quite a deprived area, but there are other parts of Kilwinning where it's less deprived. Um, it's quite a big town, um, um, and there's there's two GP surgeries within the town and, and three pharmacies. So, and it's uh, it's quite a neat area where it's quite well defined. Um, so it's um, it's it's good for um, knowing. Um, like who to go and speak to and uh, we, we have meetings with the, the two GP practices and three pharmacies so it's quite a nice wee local area. Okay very good and without um, without betraying sort of business secrets and so on and so forth how how busy is the pharmacy roughly? Um, is it is it mainly items driven, prescription items driven, are you predominantly services or, or what's, the, what's the business sort so of shape? So we're, um, we're we're slightly um, further out of the town centre where the, the two surgeries and the two other pharmacies are. Um, so we our predominant business comes from like surgery scripts rather than walk-ins in terms of our, our items. Um, but we've always been very keen on um, promoting the services and offering a good general service as we're very aware that we need to um, pull people out of the town centre. To, to come to the pharmacy but we do have really good parking in, in comparison to to the town centre so so that's another pull another drive okay so those traditional um sort of factors that drive items certainly apply to you like proximity to the to the surgery ease of parking all that sort of thing so that's interesting see so, and you're outside you're outside the centre um and what so what You've been mar- you you qualified when twenty twenty twelve you mentioned, uh, yes yeah qual- well qualified from uni twenty twelve as a pharmacist twenty thirteen. Okay, and then and then when did you do your your independent prescribing then? Um, so um, I've been I'll be qualified um, three three years this this June. So yeah, three years now um, I'm qualified as a prescriber. Um, so a couple of years Very ago. Good. It's, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know what you'd say, Sam, but it's it's uh, it's not life changing. That's a bit melodramatic, but it, it's it was it was uh, what would I say? Like it was like professionally life changing for me um, within work circles, not not my broader life, it's not my <laughs> life. But um, it certainly just mean when I qualified and started practicing, it just was like opening up so many other rooms of of stuff that I didn't know, basically. Um, which I find really interesting. So, what, what's your uh, what's your journey been like in terms of your like how's your how's your level of confidence and competence changed over that time? Sure. So I think at the beginning, um, I think we spent a lot of time prescribing things that were maybe I was used to prescribing already, um, but maybe things for that were on the minor ailment service, but to people who weren't eligible. Um, as I, you kind of build up your confidence as a prescriber, um, I start. I did my prescribing in respiratory, and so I came out feeling fairly comfortable within respiratory. Um, and I did some respiratory clinics within the surgery, um, and kind of maybe slightly strangely is that I did spirometry during my um, independent prescribing course. So I came out feeling pretty confident doing spirometry, which is kind of a more diagnostic thing. Within yeah, yeah, very good. 
Good. within um, respiratory. So that's kind of the first kind of six months or so um, was, was mainly doing that, was doing a bit of spirometry and some respiratory reviews. Um, and it was kind of from doing the building on the minor ailments and doing the NESS courses on the common clinical conditions and the consultation skills that started to build up um, more into the common clinical conditions with the ear infections, throat infections. Um, and yeah, that's kind of it all kind of pieced together. And um, as you, you said, learned to do the throats and then he added in the ears, it all kind of built up into the, a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. You do, and you start to you start to progress into different areas, and then it's all about sort of say like starting to um, I don't know. That's the only way I can describe it is like going into rooms that you've never you didn't know even existed. Um, makes makes working life really interesting. I couldn't recommend that uh, common clinical conditions course highly enough. Actually, um, I've done. I think. I, yeah. Sorry, it's, carry on. I'm just saying it's very good to give you the basics of how. It, to, to do everything, like look in people's ears or sound someone's chest, and then uh, it makes it much easier to do in your practice, even if it's on someone who's already been to the doctor, who's already got a diagnosis, and you can just say, oh, do you mind if I just do this and, and have a look? And that's the best way to build up your confidence. Mm-hmm, definitely. And I, I mean, a testament to a good training course, I still use what I learned in that course, and I've built on it, actually. Um, use it most days. I was looking in ears and throats and all sorts today, so um yeah i couldn't couldn't recommend it enough and all the nest courses are really good actually the i remember going on the the clinical skills one with johnny burton years ago and um yeah again use it use it on a daily basis so that's really good and one thing oh the other thing i was going to say about the common clinical conditions is it's it's really focused on community isn't it sam it's like totally focused on um stuff or conditions that we we should be treating in community, isn't that right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it really builds upon the minor ailment service. It's just like one step above um, the minor ailment service. Um, we, we, one of our um, former directors of pharmacy, Gail Caldwell, um, in Ayrshire and Aaron, um, she had a, a vision of, a, of an escalator model where um, pharmacies would provide different levels on, on the steps of the escalator and she envisaged the common clinical conditions being the step above minor ailments and it really is a lot of the things that you're treating for are things that you already see and probably already know what to look for you just need the skills um, which you get from the common clinical conditions to know um, how to use your otoscope how to look in people's ears and um, how to check the back of someone's throat and, and to know what you're looking for um, but a lot of it you're already doing through minor ailments, um, so it's it's a really um, logical next step, and it makes a lot of sense for for community pharmacists to do it um, above and beyond what what we're already doing. I think it's much more yeah. satisfying yeah. as well, being able to help mm-hmm. the patient um, a little bit more than we can do already. Hundred percent. I mean, most of that stuff in the common clinical conditions is stuff that. We up with with some more training and proper investment, we absolutely can unlock the potential of community pharmacy, and we've got a chance in Scotland. And that's why what you're doing is so no pressure. But that's why what you're doing is so is so important. It really is. I mean that, and it's you know there's lots of people who've sort of tried it and had a myself included and 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 not made it before. So I, um, I would I would. You know, nothing would give me more pleasure to come to your your, your pharmacy and 
and run a common clinical conditions clinic now. You mentioned taking the next step on incompetence, and that's something I find myself doing quite a lot, sort of creeping forward, and mm-hmm. we all make mistakes, and you know it, it gets a bit gets a bit scary at times, especially around the responsibility we we take on as we do these new roles. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's the supervision like with you? And the reason I ask this question is because. I don't know how typical my GP colleagues are, but they have just completely taken me under their wing, mm-hmm. pushing me forward. Can't can't do enough. I'm running to keep up and and enjoying that actually. But but sometimes it's like a wobbly bicycle. You think whoa, but they're there. You know they're there to support and supervise, and um, they create a, like a safe uh, risk bubble within <laughs> which I I can operate. Um, how do you do that in community? So it's, it's a bit trickier in community because um, you can see patients in the pharmacy, but you don't have someone next to you to tell you exactly what you're looking at. Um, and you don't want to spend, you know, there's only so much time that you can spend in, in the, the GP practice. Um, but like I think I said earlier, once, you, once you've got the skills um, and you feel comfortable using them, the, the best way to do it is to just grab patients that you know um, and when they come in with things that have already been diagnosed have a look when they come in with things that haven't been diagnosed have a look and if when you're probably not sure at the beginning send, send them along to the GP practice um, and um, they'll come back and tell you most of the time what was wrong um, like you the my local GP practice co-winning medical practice have been superb in um, helping training me. Um, the nurses in particular, I uh, spent a lot of time with them, seeing what they do, um, building on what I'd already um, seen in the, in the common clinical conditions and seeing real patients. It's, it's so important seeing real patients. As good as the NEST courses are, um, they can't prepare you for what the, a real patient um, looks like. Um, so spending as much time with the patients as you can and grabbing people in, in the community pharmacy is definitely the, the best way that I, I would recommend. Mm-hmm. I think maybe this is a bit of a party political broadcast um, and, and I don't really have an agenda in this, this space anymore other than other than the fact that I absolutely love community pharmacy and, and especially in Scotland and it's, it'll always be where my heart lies and I think we should be doing this stuff. But I do think we need to get it right from the start and we need so, so, to, so to be blunt we need money to do that <laughs> you know and what does that money look like it means it, it looks like in my view probably getting medical colleagues to help supervise us to accelerate our learning and then become expert generalists in community pharmacy so like unleash that potential would you agree? I would agree that um, we need to get it right first time and that um, we need to um, try and broaden this service out as much as we can. I think that um, it's been doing, done really well in small pockets at the moment um, um, across Scotland. And there are definitely, I'm not I'm certainly not the only community pharmacist that's providing this sort of service across Scotland, um, but it's not nearly enough that are doing it. And I know that there's been funded places for community pharmacists to go into uh, do their IP and with a, oh, a heavy focus um, on common clinical conditions 
um, and I think they're due to qualify kind of towards the tail end of this year and then there's another cohort for next year. But the big worry is, is that they're going to come out with the skills and that there isn't then going to be any funding for them to do the clinics. Um, these Absolutely. clinics, the clinics aren't particularly cheap to run um, taking a pharmacist away from the dispensary um, and you have to spend time with these patients and you don't want to feel like you're being rushed um, or that um, you need to be quickly getting back to the dispensary. Um, so it does it require some backfill and also the, the nature of the clinic is that you don't exactly know when you're going to be busy because pharmacy is in, by na- community pharmacy is by nature a drop-in service um, there needs to be there needs to be adequate funding for um, contractors to look at it and say that's a worthwhile service for us to provide um, from from the uh, from our pharmacy and as it stands the money that we receive probably doesn't quite even justify do it providing the service um, and so you're not going to encourage others to do it and we're certainly not going to get a, a kind of a coverage across Scotland if that remains the case. And, and at the moment, in fact, the, within um, Ayrshire and Aaron, the the money, the money um, for independent prescribing community pharmacists, um, we've traditionally had £75,000, which has been um, allocated to Ayrshire and Aaron. And that was dropped down to £74,000 um, this year, um, which means that we will only be able to well, try to keep the, the clinics going that were going last year and there will be no new clinics from, from new prescribers starting in Ayrshire and Aaron as, as the situation stands, which means that anyone who's um, qualifying, and I know several pharmacists in this position qualifying, um, they they have nothing, no way to, to use their prescribing, which is sending out just completely the wrong message and um, must be very disheartening for those pharmacists. Yeah, but the, the, the cynic in me thinks um, it looks good to churn out loads of prescribing pharmacists, doesn't it? You know, the, the real work starts on qualification. You know, you, the truth is you don't know what you're doing when you qualify for from from the prescribing course. I mean, it's, it's, it's just not enough time to be proficient in more than a very, only the most rudimentary um Prescribe, level of prescribing practice, in my opinion, I think. Yeah. I think we need to. I think we need to model what we're doing in community more, much more on the GP GP training practice model. We need yep. tra- We need training practice community pharmacies, and then whoever's whoever's in charge needs to, or or we need to convince them <clears throat> that we're solving someone's problem. So whose problem are we solving? Is it, you know, which side of the market are we selling to? So are we are we selling to the GPs? Are we are we saying, look, we'll save you uh, acute care appointment times? Are we selling to the patient? This is more convenient. You know, where does the community pharmacist fit in? Uh, ultimately, there's there's tremendous value in that, um, and I I honestly think it's just a matter of linking it all up and um, redirecting some of that some of that money. Um, but that's that's the silver bullet, isn't it? That's that's really difficult. But um, I mean, I, I was I did that. We were talking before, and I did that story about the the million pound 
um, funding, isn't that right? And and it stayed flat for years. It's been that yep. since, as far as I can remember. And it's it's like 150 quid a session. Do you th- I mean, what do you think of that? Do you think that's enough? Uh, so in inertia and iron, which are the common clinical conditions, it's 150 pounds per eight patients that we see. So um, so okay. just just under 20 pounds per patient. And I would say that that probably isn't quite enough for for what we do. And the amount of time that it takes and the additional training and the, the, the skill level that you you need to be to, to do this sort of clinic, I, I think it's the value is more than that. Um, but unfortunately, we're not in a position at the moment where we can negotiate how much we're getting paid for the service. We're only in a position where we can negotiate that we can still get funding for the service. Um, there, there is a worry that as the numbers um, go up and not just in my clinic, but the other clinics across Ayrshire that will run out of money um, and we'll use our £74,000 that we've been allocated before the end of the year um, and we'll, we'll then have have to make a decision about what we're going to do, um, whether um, we continue to provide it with no funding, whether we um, stop the service, um, which, which mm-hmm. would not be good, or whether we can, we can look into alternative sources of funding. But um, as we're all aware that uh, everyone is quite short on money at the moment. Yeah, I'd be really interested to understand if there was, you know, if there's over or underspending that million pound because, like any organisation, there's bound to be underspending in pockets as well. But yeah. I well, suppose that's 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 above our pay grade, Sam. Isn't it? Well, I think from what I understand, um, Ayrshire and Aaron have overspent their their allocated money before and have taken money off other health boards who have underspent. Um, but I don't know overall. Whether, whether or not the, the million pounds has been over and underspent, but but like you said, um, it's been one million pounds for for a long time, and that's not changed. And um, it's been a hundred and fifty pound sessional fee since it started as well. So there's been mm-hmm. absolutely no uplift in that money. You've got to you've got to put yourself in a in a contractor's point of view as well. I mean, yeah, fair enough. They're a business, and they have to innovate and all the rest of it. And and um, you know, to be honest, follow the money, and they'd be fools not to. So the hundred and fifty quid, what does that what does that do? That 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 kind of tempts their employees into, you know, going to training and doing the the independent prescribing course. But what I hear is that is that then they're they're scooped up by GP practice, you know, because for the reason that you say, there's not the support and investment at post qualification, which is which is where I think the money should be should be directed controversial maybe but maybe fewer fewer clinics but better quality if it's if we're not increasing the funding i'm not sure um well i, I completely agree with you that um the, the problem a big problem at the moment is that as soon as people are qualifying with their prescribing that if they don't have anything that they can do with it they will move straight across into um, gp practice um, which is completely a natural and obvious thing to do um, if you want to be using your clinical skills then that's a great way to, to do it and um, we need to be encouraging people to stay within community pharmacy um, and for, there needs to be funding to allow that mm-hmm. I think it's so important it's so important to try and convince people to stay because um, I say this tongue-in-cheek because I'm I work two days in GP practice now but I, I really miss community but because you're as a responsible pharmacist, you're a master of your own establishment. Uh, I think I've said it before, but I've had a really excellent experience in GP practice. A lovely, lovely group of folk and, very, as I said before, very encouraging and all the rest of it. But you're a welcome guest. It's, it's, it's not home. Um, whereas, whereas, 
you know, community pharmacy is our home, and uh, you're kind of master of your own destiny there, really. So, um, no, it's really interesting. So, and what what does the I was going to ask you about the teach and treat. Now, I'm conscious you haven't haven't started. So, um, I suppose what what are your plans for that? How are you feeling about it? Are you looking forward to it? And what's yes. involved? Yes. Yeah, so I've. I, I haven't officially started. Um, well, I, I have officially started, but I haven't seen anybody yet. It's only been a couple of weeks that I've been signed off myself. So um, I've went across to um, Leanne and um, Jonathan um, in Edinburgh and Stirling, and um, they they assessed me um, doing the. They run the common clinical conditions um, in their pharmacies. So I went across and. Uh, and ran their their clinics um, for for a morning, um, and they, they assessed me. So I've been signed off, thankfully. Um, so that's me now up and running, and and I'm really looking forward to to trying to get as many people that want to come along um, along and get them kind of up to speed. Because I think there's there's a lot of people who are really keen to do exactly what I'm doing, um, and they just need to be given the opportunity. So. Um, it will be really good to get people along, see the different levels of experience that people have. I, I already know that in Ayrshire and Aaron, there are um, several other people who are doing similar things to what I'm doing. I know there are several people who are um, who've done a bit of training but haven't quite started yet, and I know that there's quite a lot of novices out there. But the idea of the teaching tree is to get everyone up to the same level so that we're providing a nice, consistent service um, across the, the whole of Scotland. Um, so hopefully we can get as many people through, get get everyone up to the same standard, um, so that we can provide a nice consistent service. Mm-hmm. And that word, that word consistency is really important, isn't it? I've I've seen in in my own practice where some PGDs are some national, well not national, but some local PGDs from the health board are are adopted by some pharmacists but not others, and that and that, that creates problems, doesn't it? So it's the the more folk we get doing this, the better, and. And then we can, I suppose, the, the general public will will shift their expectations and their sort of um, view of community pharmacy, won't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you say, it's it really is imperative that we get consistency with with everything across community pharmacy. We don't really want pockets where there's some services that are provided by some but not by others, um, and the same with the, the common clinical conditions. In, in terms of patient perspective, I think that's already shifting where I am. Um, at the beginning, patients might have thought it was a bit unusual to be referred across to, to the pharmacy for the things they were calling the doctor surgery for. Um, but that's now changed in the kind of was it about a year that I've been doing it. And we now get a lot of patients who just who self-refer straight in without going anywhere near the doctors because they expect to receive that service within the pharmacy. And there's the value. There's the value that we as we need to capture, and and I guess sell. You know how many, how how, how um, cost effective is it, and 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 in terms of patient satisfaction, how good is it to be able to go to your local community pharmacy rather than you know try and um, sort of tackle the appointment system at the local GP practice, and they're 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 packed and busy dealing with with um, a myriad of stuff so I just think that stuff's great and we, we need to encourage it. The, the other thing I was going to ask you about was um, again something that has been a bit of a revelation in my practice recently so in the last two years and that's getting to see the, the patient record. Uh, I've yep. never seen a patient 
I'd never seen a patient record until till I started in GP practice two years ago, and um, I mean, holy smoke, it's just just how to read a patient record to begin with is is uh, is a skill in itself, um, and then record keeping, you know, how to. Um, I remember one of the early bits of feedback I got. I wrote, I think I wrote something like guarding, um, and of course that could be construed as an acute abdomen. So that was that that was an admission. It wasn't, but I'd written the wrong thing. I didn't fully understand the term. So, for, you know, interested to know from a medical legal just from what you, what your experience of um, of having EMS in the community pharmacy is and how that's kind of changed what you do, Sam. Yeah, I mean, it's completely changed how we work. Um, before, I was still running the common clinical conditions to a certain degree. I started off mainly doing um, throat infections. Um, so probably before I, I had access to EMS, I, that's mainly what I was seeing. Um, and, and a lot of what I was, or my record keeping was mainly paper-based, um, where I would record my findings and any observations that I'd made and any... <laughs> medication and advice that I'd given would record on paper and send a copy down to the, the surgery which I believe was then scanned into into their doc man and um, which wasn't really ever looked at um, by by anyone I, I don't think um, and then as soon as we got access to EMS well like you say we had so, suddenly I had all this access to, to information maybe more information than I expected or maybe even needed um, and it completely changed the way that I could prescribe because I felt much more comfortable because I could didn't just need to take the patient's word that they didn't have any allergies. I could double check the record that they didn't have any allergies. I could check other medications, other um, uh, their, their history, um, other conditions that they might have. Um, and in terms of record keeping, um, it's so much better not just from my point of view but the surgery love it as well because um, I can enter all the observations that I make um, along with any um, changes or any medication that I prescribe directly onto the system um, it appears as a consultation within um, EMIS which means that it's obvious um, for anyone else that's going to come along um, afterwards um, whereas before, when it was put into DocMan, I, I don't. I, they would have to go and hunt for it if they wanted that information. So if a patient presented with a sore throat that I'd already seen, it, unless the patient told them, it probably wouldn't be obvious that they'd been seen by me. And so the doctors love it for that reason. Um, that it's, it's easy to track what, what I've done. Um, I love that I can see um, the consultation from the doctors before if it's an ongoing condition, so I can kind of track the progress. Um, in terms of how to, to write up the notes, yeah, that was that was kind of a big learning curve. Um, the the practice, kind of one of the doctors explained that they do like things written in a certain way, um, and they, they like it all split up. They don't like big blocks of text. Um, they like it to be put all into the different subsections, so it's nice and nice and easy to see. Um, and after a few weeks, one of the the, I think it was the practice manager um, had a look at a few of my entries and gave me some feedback um, just on just on how how I was doing, um, which was really good. Um, yeah, I think that's um, no, that's really it's, it's kind of it kind of reflects my experience actually, and um, 
yeah, how to oh, so much within it, you know, because we're we're really just starting, but. Like the history is so important. I, I, I really underestimated that before I started doing clinics properly. And also, um, yeah, like what you say about how to structure an entry in the journal. Um, you know, making sure you get get the subjective stuff first, objective, and then what you think's going on, and then what your plan is. I mean, that, that's how I structure my consultations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I can't believe... You know, I was qualified almost ten years before I was doing that. I, I wish, I wish I'd been doing it for years in community um, before. So, um, but now you've uh, you've got the opportunity to do that, and it's absolutely brilliant. So, um, and what's your what's your ambition for for the clinics? Is it is it just? To, I mean, I say just. I know it's a heck of a work to get to the stage you're at, but um, your ambition now is to to um, run with these teach and treat clinics, bring on some. Um, some trainee pharmacy, pharmacy prescribers, community pharmacist prescribers, and um, have you interest to go into different clinical areas, or, or are you very much in the mind of of just consolidate and and so on? I think at the moment, um, I, we started doing the throat infections. Then um, myself and um, Jane Rorison, a pharmacist from Air, who, who works within our group, we we organised um, training with an ear, nose and throat consultant where we he taught us how to we'd already learned a bit from the common clinical conditions but he taught us more about ears so we felt a lot more competent with ears um, and then we did individual training with nurses where we learned more about chest so we've we've kind of added on conditions as we go until we've we kind of we've reached the the point where we kind of cover all the the common and everything that's under the common clinical conditions um, and I think that's probably where we'll stay for for now um even though we're we've covered all the competencies and um, there's still things that come up all the time they're still constantly learning opportunities um, and i've got a really close working relationship with the gp practice um, which is excellent and means that when i am stuck it's, and it's really easy to just double check things with them um, having access to emails makes that much easier as well because you can use the the flashy message um, screen as well, so you can just quickly quickly check things. Um, so we're even though I'm doing the teaching treat and I'm, I'm going to be teaching things people, there's still so much more that I think I've still got to learn within the common clinical conditions because uh, you're only going to pick up these things with experience. Um, I've kind of dropped away from doing as much of my respiratory work um, since the common clinical conditions is picked back up again. Um, so that's probably, I want to get that going, but I, it's all time. The, the common, can, common clinical conditions takes up a, a big chunk of my time at the moment and balancing that with kind of not the normal dispensary can be tough. Um, but hopefully we'll, we're going to be doing some more respiratory reviews, particularly concentrating on um, there's a 12 SABA project in Ayrshire at the moment um, where we highlight the patients who get more than um, 12 short-acting bronchodilators um, in the in a year, and we do an asthma review with them. So we're hoping to get involved with that project soon. Um, right. So that's kind of that's kind of where we are. Probably most more consolidating than than um, than adding lots more conditions in. That's that's absolutely brilliant, and I, I I completely agree. I mean, it was maybe a bit of an unfair question because certainly the on the day clinics that I do, that there's just 
so much to learn. You can take it as far as your capability and 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 the supervision under which you're working um you know c- can take you really um so don't don't apologize for that there's an awful lot of work um and it takes an awful lot of effort to get to where you you, are, you you've got to and uh, in terms of the subutimal thing well you're preaching to the converted i think the look you know that that risk assessment of the non-attending uh asthma patients is is an absolute open net for for community pharmacists. We've got to measure it though, and we've got to make sure we're not giving away. I sound very commercial or something, but I, I don't. I think we need to be careful. We don't give away how much goodwill there is in community pharmacy. You know, we need to put a we need to put a price on that because your your GP colleagues will be. I'm sure they're absolutely delighted. You're clearly working very safely. You're working collaboratively. You've obviously convinced them that your your practice is safe and 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 they trust you. They've given a third party, IEU, access to EMIS. So you're you know you're really at the front edge, Sam. I th- I, I I have a huge amount of respect for you, and it's uh, look forward to meeting you. And listen, it's been great speaking to you. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, no problem at all. Yeah, we we need you to keep going. No pressure. <laughs> Do my best. Good stuff, and uh, I'll hope. Thank you very much for your time, and I'll hopefully catch up with you soon. All right. Thank you very much.